Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Straight Out Left. Tonight we're going to be getting in the time machine and going over the history of the World Series. From the most memorable moments, to the best individual performances, to finally my ranking of the top 10 World Series of all time, we're going to be talking all about it, so let's get right into it. Alright, happy Wednesday evening everyone, thank you for tuning in tonight. As I said last night, this is going to be the second this is the second of three days in a row of episodes uh last night of course i did the ale and nlcs recaps and tomorrow night will be a deep dive preview into the world series this upcoming one that starts on friday between the astros and the phillies so there's a lot at stake in this world series we're either gonna have the one of the biggest villains in baseball win again or have a major metropolitan area probably burn to the ground depending on who wins uh, so yeah, definitely a lot at stake here. This is going to be exciting, but tonight I just wanted to, uh, tap into the history side baseball. One of the things I love about this game is the long, rich history and tra- traditions it has. I mean, professional baseball has been happening for over 150 years now, and it's really special and unique. I think among sports, just the, just the great, just the rich tradition and history that baseball has and how much people like to talk about it. Uh, so definitely a real, I have a real appreciation for the history of the game. So with that, I want to kind of dive into the world series, just kind of the history of it. Um, looking back at some of the greatest moments and greatest uh, um, achievements and then finishing off with, of course, uh, my list of the top 10 world series of all time, which was very hard to make. I was able to whittle it down pretty easily to about 15 to 20, but then getting rid of those last few was really, really tough. But I was able to make a list, and so stick around to the end of the episode, and you'll get to hear that. So I guess I'll start just with a very brief high-level history of the World Series. So the concept began, of course, in 1903. That was when the first World Series was played. The... Um, the National League was the first professional league to be created, and they'd been around for a good 25 to 30 years at this point. But the American League was a new upstart league that had just started, and they were poaching players and stealing fans and attention, which the National League did not like. However, they realized that there were, the two sides came to a realization that it'd be better to be kind of uh, collaborators and to cooperate with each other rather than be fighting each other and to each other's enemies. So they decided to um, form a little bit of a partnership and to kind of round it all out. They decided to have a world series at the end of the season where the best team from the national league and the best team from the American league would play each other. And whoever would win that series would be the world champion. So it started in 1903. The first world series was between the Pittsburgh pirates and the Boston bean eaters. Now the Boston Red Sox, same team, just a different name. Uh, Boston wound up winning five to three. This was back before uh, Dave Roberts w- was around and uh, pitch counts were a thing because the Pirates ace, uh, Deacon Philippe, he pitched five of the eight games and he threw complete games in all of them. 44 innings in a World Series is crazy and you just would not see that today. And he pitched well. All three of the Pirates wins were games that he pitched. He just he his arm gave kind of gave out the end of it and the other Pirates pitchers couldn't get it done. But anyway. Um, so every year, it was a huge success. The fans loved it, brought in a lot of revenue. And every year um, since then, 
the World Series has been played with two exceptions in 1904 because the National League champion Giants refused to play the American League champion because they thought it would be beneath them, and they still saw the uh, their manager, John McGraw, saw the American League as a minor league that wasn't worthy of attention, I guess. And, of course, in 1994, there was the players' strike, which forced uh, the World Series to be canceled. But every year, besides those two years, there's been a World Series. Um, it's norm. It's always been a best of seven affair, except for a brief period in 1903. Then, in a brief period around the during the World War One era, where they decided to make a best of nine, but then they switched it back to best of seven. Um, looking at the uh, the teams in the World Series, um, 24 of the 30 MLB teams have. <clears throat> excuse me. 24 of the 30 MLB teams have won a World Series. The only teams that have not won a World Series are the Rays, the Rangers, the Mariners, the Rockies, the Brewers, and the Padres. The Mariners are the only team to have never played in a World Series. Every other team has made it at least once. The Mariners never have. Um, Colorado and Milwaukee, and they've both made it once and they lost. The Rays made it twice and they lost. The Padres made it twice and they lost. Both those teams in both cases, they just ran into really good teams that were just way better than them, like the 98 Padres ran to the Yankees, who were one of the greatest teams of all time. And in 2020, the Rays played the Dodgers, who were also a really great team. And this was, they just kind of ran out of steam. The Texas Rangers have made it twice. And in the second time they did, they were within two strikes or one strike of winning the whole thing, not once, but twice. But then David Freeze happened. But yeah, every other team has won at least once. The team that's won the most, of course, is the Yankees with 27 titles and second most way behind them is the Cardinals with 11. Um, yeah, the the Yankees have are the um, they've made it. They have the most appearances by any American League team with 40 and the Dodgers actually have the most appearances of a National League team with 21. Uh, yeah. And fun fact, the Diamondbacks, Angels, Mariners and no, not Mariners, Diamondbacks, Angels. Blue Jays and Marlins are the only teams to have never lost a World Series. I think. Did I get that right? Oh, of course, the Nationals. We can't forget the Nationals. The Nationals made it, won it in 2019, the only time that they made it. Um, but yeah, that's the um, that's kind of uh, the breakdown of uh, franchises. A uh, longest World Series drought ever was the Chicago Cubs. Uh, of course, uh, a lot of you may remember that. That was just ended in 2016 after 108 years without a title. Right now, the longest current drought is the Cleveland Guardians in, slash Indians. Last time the Indians won it, it was in 1948. And even though they've had four, they've made it to the World Series four times since then, they haven't been able to get the job done. So yeah, it's been 73 years now for them. Uh, getting up there with some of the longest droughts in MLB history. All right. Um, another little fun fact about the World Series that I dug up was um, the comebacks. And that's always an exciting. That's always exciting when that happens when a team is able to uh, come from behind and uh, play really play their best baseball with their backs truly against the wall. And like in the World Series, I mean all everything's on the table. Like all the, all the stop gaps are out. Everyone's trying their hardest. Only six teams have been able to come back from a three games to one deficit. And that was the Cubs in 2016, the Royals in 1985, 
The Pirates did twice in 1979 and 1925, the Tigers in 1968, and the Yankees in 1958. So that's a little fun fact. Maybe we'll see some more of that magic this uh, this uh, um, this this uh, series in 2022. And then uh, I was thinking of doing a list of the greatest moments in World Series history, but after how hard it was to rank the greatest World Series in history, I just couldn't... Um, I couldn't uh, bring myself to do that. It was just going to be too hard to try to pick between all these great moments. There's, of course, the two World Series clinching home runs, uh, walk-off home runs that uh, clinched the World Series. Uh, that was in 1993 with Joe Carter doing it for the Blue Jays. And then in 1960 with Bill Mazeroski doing that for the Pirates against the Yankees. Uh, Mazeroski's, I think, is a little more impactful because it was a game seven. So it was a winner take all game. The Blue Jays were already winning the, the, the Blue Jays were already winning three games to two. So definitely not to diminish what, ha- what Joe Carter did. I mean, it's incredible, but it wasn't uh, the absolute like winner take all do or die moment that Mazeroski's was. Um, fun fact. I actually have the DVD of the 1960 game seven world game seven on, uh, on DVD, I got it as a Christmas present a long time ago, and it's such a crazy game. The score just keeps going back and forth between the Yankees and the uh, the Pirates. It was a 10-9 win for the Pirates, and it was just back and forth, back and forth. Uh, fun little, another fun uh, little moment-related thing is um, I dug this up with a baseball reference stat head. Um, there's a stat called championship win probability added. I... Don't know how to exactly how the formula works to calculate it, and I don't care to try to explain it right now. It would take too much time, I think, and I don't really even understand it, but it makes sense. Um, Basically, it rates plays that have the most significant impact on a team's chances to win the championship or win the World Series. So in this, they can apply this to every play throughout the whole season. But of course, in the World Series, that's when it's biggest because you're actually in it and you're super close. So the biggest, and this is a fun little baseball fact that you have to dig for. The play that has the single biggest uh, win probability added for a team is not one that's often talked about because it wasn't like a game-winning play or anything. But it was the same Pirates game, Game 7 of the 1960 World Series. And it was a home run, but it wasn't Mazeroski's. It was in the eighth inning. It was a home run by backup catcher Hal Smith. That's if you look at Hal Smith's baseball reference page, that's literally I mean, he had a solid career as a backup catcher, but he was never an he was never really like an all-star or he retired with only uh 715 hits, so never, you know, never any amazing stats. But yeah, he hold he has the most impactful play in baseball history according to the stat. Um, the pirates were down seven to six in the eighth inning with two outs. The Yankees were four outs away from a championship. Uh, there's two runners on, on base, uh, runners at the corners and, uh, he's down to his final strike of the at bat too. So on a two, two count, he blasts a home run and that single handedly increased the pirates chances of winning the world series by 63.6%, which is the highest in baseball history and by a long shot. The next highest is around 50%. By comparison, Mazeroski's home run was only 36.7%. Uh, so definitely um, um, 
yeah, it's just crazy how that works. But yeah, it makes sense because they were down and they were losing. So, and this was their bet with runners at the corners in the eighth inning. This was their best chance to make a comeback, and they didn't just make a comeback. They um, they didn't just tie the game. He put gave them a lead, which they eventually blew. But Mazeroski got him in the end. But yeah, um, so for most impactful play, you have to look at that. You also have to look at, of course, on the defensive side. There's the catch by Willie Mays, where he runs to deep center, makes a great over-the-shoulder catch, which kills an Indians rally in the 1954 World Series. There's Don Larson's perfect game in 1956, the only no-hitter in World Series history. Of course, um, I always find that that um, achievement fascinating because Don Larson was really not a good pitcher. He never really panned out in New York. And beside, if he didn't have that perfect game, he would be pretty much forgotten about. But uh, Casey Stengel gave him the ball, and he made the most of it, which is that's uh, just amazing. Baseball, any given day, anything can happen. There's the Billy Buckner error in 1986, which pro, uh, prolonged the Red Sox uh, curse and kept and caused them to blow the 1986 World Series against the against the Mets. There's uh, Luis Gonzalez hitting the uh, walk-off single to give the Diamondbacks their first and only championship against the mighty Yankees off of Mariano Rivera, no less. There's uh, <clears throat> and there's so many uh, there's so there's so many other great moments we could dive into, but uh, um, we don't have time, unfortunately. There's also a funny story in the 1931 World Series about um, actually I should fact check that I believe it's 1931. Uh, Joe Medwick um, slid. He was a Cardinals player. He slid hard into third base, and the uh, opposing fans did not like that, and so they started throwing trash on him in the outfield. And he had to be thro- they. The Tigers ran the risk of. Um, I believe it was the Tigers. Um, um, 1934. Sorry. Yeah, but it was the Tigers. Um, fans were throwing gar- Detroit fans were throwing garbage at him, and the uh, umpires and the league officials told him to stop. Otherwise, the Tigers were going to have to forfeit the game and lose the series. So instead, what they did was they, they ejected the Joe Medwick from the game for some reason, even though he was having a great series. He was the Cardinals' best player. It didn't matter. The Cardinals still won, but um, pretty uh, funny little baseball story there. Um. Yeah, maybe later on I'll talk m- more about highlighting some of the greatest moments in World, Se- World Series history. I mean, there's other walk-off hits. There's uh, um, Edgar Renteria walking off for the Marlins in 97. There's Kirby Puckett's heroics in 1991, which I'll talk to more in my uh, greatest World Series ranking. Um, but also real quick, I uh, just wanted to highlight some um, some – World Series achievements. In case you were wondering, the highest um, batting average by a player in World Series history throughout their career was Phil Gardner, who hit 500. Um, I believe he got those uh, hits all with the uh, Pirates in 1979. Um, he was a big part of uh, that that We Are Family World Series run. Um, highest uh, on-base plus slugging in World Series history, of course, belongs to Barry Bonds because he had a monster t- 2002 World Series where basically he either walked or hit home runs. And um, there's a, definitely several pitchers who have pitched well in the World Series too. Um, highest uh, earned run average for a career or 
highest best earner on average in a career is uh, Madison Bumgarner, a very recent uh, World Series legend. Th- over his 36 career innings in the World Series, he has given up one earned run for a .25 ERA, which is absolutely astounding, if you ask me. He was so dominant every time the Giants made the World Series. He was a huge, re- huge, huge reason why he they won those three titles in the early 2010s. And also some more, a couple more trivia facts for you. Uh, most career hits in a World Series belongs to Yogi Berra, 71. And most home runs in the World Series for a career belongs to Mickey Mantle with 18, of course, makes sense. The Yankees basically made the World Series every year that Mantle played. Not actually, but um, yeah. And then also, of course, there's the elite Mr. October Club players who have hit five home runs in a single World Series. That's Reggie Jackson, the OG Mr. October in 1977. He did it. Then Chase Utley did it in 2009 for the Phillies even though they lost. And then George Springer did it for the Astros in 2017, uh, helping propel them to victory with or without the trash cans. We, you know, you can argue if you will. Um, But yeah, anyway, I want to cap off this episode with a ranking of the top 10 World Series of all time, which was very hard to narrow. Like I said, very hard to narrow it all the way down to 10. But here we are. Um, and you feel, I, I consulted some lists on the internet, kind of use my own factors to put this together. If you, a lot of you will probably disagree or place world series differently. Um, basically what I'm looking at here is how close and competitive the series was. So it pretty much has to go to a game seven, some world series, like the 1980 world series with Philly being Kansas city. That was a great series, but went six games. So just really, I couldn't justify putting in the top 10. With close games, um, narratives are a plus. So if it's a team's trying to end a drought, that helps. Um, and while big moments, big uh, legendary moments are a factor a little bit, they really, I'm not letting a big moment carry a World Series. For example, the 1988 World Series, we have the Kirk Gibson pitch at home run, which is really awesome. But the Dodgers were going to win that. The Dodgers won that series pretty badly. Like they beat up on Oakland really bad that series. And so because of that, it wasn't really it was memorable for that moment, but it wasn't really a competitive full World Series, if that makes sense. So anyway, we'll start with 1955 uh, coming in at number 10. Uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers finally won a World Series. They had this was the first World Series in Dodgers history. They had come so close so many times, but they always seemed to get beat by the Yankees, kind of their big brother in the Bronx. Um, the Brooklyn versus Bronx rivalry really made these series always super intense. But yeah, the Dodgers finally did it, and it didn't look like they were going to. They lost their first games, 6-5 and 4-2, so close games. And then there was the um, then Game 3, they came back and won, and Game 4, they also won, and they won Game 5. So it seemed like that the home team, whoever was the home team, was going to win the game. So then heading back to the Bronx, it seemed like, oh, the Yankees will uh, do that, and they did. In Game 6, they won 5-1, to but then the Dodgers were able to get out a 2 nothing Game 7 win, to clinch their first world title in history on the road to a Yankee stand, which is always kind of their, um, their, uh, their kryptonite giant Padres pitched a complete game. Um, huge moment, um, <clears throat> huge moments all around. Um, in the eighth inning, I believe it was, uh, 
No, wait a second. Uh, when was the um? When was the big catch? Sorry, I should have had this um pulled up already. Uh, most people, when they think of a a World Series defensive player, they think of Willie Mays doing the um the 19, uh, 1954 with the catch. I mean, it was an iconic play, but however, if you're looking at more impactful, cause the giants wound up sweeping that series, um, Sandy Amaros in the, um, sixth inning, the Yankees had, um, runners at first and second and one out, um, left fielder, Sandy Amaros chased down a ball, um, that was hit by Yogi Berra. And he ran all the way over the line, ba- barely made the catch. Like it was an incredible running catch, and definitely game saving. Because if it um, had been, uh, if it had fallen for a hit, the Yankees could have definitely tied it. Um, he cut, catches the ball and then throws it in, and they double off the runner at first base, um, and it ended the Yankees probably their best chance of the day. And then the Johnny Padres is just needed three more innings to uh, finally seal the deal for the uh, Dodgers. So yeah, tenth best World Series in history. Uh, ninth best, I give it to the Pittsburgh Pirates defeating the Yankees, as I mentioned earlier, four games to three in nineteen sixty. Um, the uh, Mazeroski moment is definitely um, is definitely a big reason why this is here. Um, but it's also just interesting because the Yankees outscored the Pirates almost uh, by ratio of almost two to one. So every time the Yankees would win, it would be a huge beatdown. Like they won game two, 16 to three, game three, 10 to nothing. But the Pirates would, cl- oh, and they they won game six, 12 to nothing. But when the Pirates won, they would, the Pirates could clutch out the close games. They won by, all their wins were by three or fewer runs, um, including uh, two one run victories in game four and then one in game, and then of course in game seven. So, I think that just this World Series is memorable for just how kind of skewed it seemed where, uh, you know, it seemed like the Yankees were dominating, but yet the Pirates, when it mattered and they were in close games with a chance to win, they wouldn't let those opportunities slip away. Uh, oddly enough, this series, actually, the MVP was on the losing team. Mickey Mantle won the MVP, even though uh, the Yankees wound up losing because he had a great series. He had 400 with three home runs and 11 RBIs, but. Yeah, it's just strange what goes through the uh, writers or the voters' heads as they're thinking we're gonna make the MVP the guy who lost. But whatever. Now I would be remiss, even though I'm not a Yankees fan, to not include a Yankees World Title um, on this list. Um, so I went with what I think is their best title, uh, the 1956 World Series. Lots of people argue for 52 because I was part of the stretch where they won five World Series in a row, which is the most all time. But I think 56 was a Pretty uh, pretty good show, too. Um, after get, losing to the Dodgers, there was a rematch, and the Dodgers this, this time took a 2 nothing series lead in Brooklyn, and then it went back to New York, and uh, the Yankees won all three games in New York. They were all fairly close games. And then the Dodgers won a one nothing 10-inning marathon in Game 6, and it looked like it was kind of going to be uh, home team t- wins out in Game 7, but... The Yankees basically pulled an owner reverse card from what the Dodgers did to them the year before. They won game seven on the road. Wasn't quite as close. It was a nine, nothing victory, but um, yeah, this was a definitely of all the Yankees tells us. This was definitely a vintage one. You had great pitching by 
Uh, Don Larson, of course, with a perfect game in game uh, five, and that gave the Yankees the series lead. So um, definitely a pretty impactful game. Um, you also had great pitching by you had Bob Turley out there um, eating innings, of course, and Wendy Ford, although he wasn't quite on point as, as on point as he usually was, but he still got one win. Of course, you have all the great Yankee stars like Yogi Berra driving in 10 runs and hitting three home runs. You have um, Mickey Mal hitting three homers. You have Billy Martin hitting a couple homers. Hank Bauer contributed. Um, yeah, just pretty, uh, pretty peak Yankees, honestly. All right, number seven. We're going back to the dead ball era. I mentioned this World Series a little bit um, earlier. I think I might have the 1912 World Series. This was a strange one because they played eight games. It was supposed to be a best of seven series, but game two was called a tie because it went to extra innings and fields didn't have lights back then. So it got dark and they couldn't finish the game. So they just said doesn't count. And we're just going to play eight games, I guess. But the stats all counted, which is weird. But yeah, the Giants and Red Sox uh, went back and forth. Um, Boston jumped out to a 3-1 lead after game five. Uh, again, confusing, but uh, so Giants had their backs to the wall. Um, so they uh, the Giants took game six and seven to tie it at three games apiece. Again, the numbers aren't adding up. And then in game eight, the Red the Giants had a two one lead and in, going into the bottom of the tenth. And it looked like they were going to uh, seal the deal here and complete the comeback. But then there was a drop fly ball by the Giants center fielder Fred Snodgrass, and that gave the um the Red Sox a chance to um, get their best hair to the plate in Tris Speaker, who hit a foul ball, which was allowed to fall by the first baseman for some reason. And then Tris Speaker, of course, Hall of Fame center fielder. Next pitch, he gets a single, and apparently he yelled at the pitcher um, before the pitch. That was a mistake. You let the ball drop, and now I'm going to get a hit. And he did. So just uh, talking a big game and then living up to it, I guess. And that one was actually the second highest in terms of win probability added behind a uh, Hal Smith's home run. And then there was a sacrifice fly, the next batter to drive in the run from third. And that won the game and the series for the Red Sox. Uh, coming in at number seven, more, more recent world series, the most recent world series on this list. We have the Chicago Cubs knocking off the Cleveland Indians. Um, this series is huge for the narrative of the Cubs trying to end their world World Series drought. This was their best chance to do it. They had a great team put together, but they were down three games to one. Cleveland had uh, F Cle Cleveland had rode some solid pitching and some timely hitting to take a three one series lead. The Cubs were able to win Game Five in Wrigley to make it uh, three two, but then they had to win two games on the road, which they were able to win Game Six, and then Game Seven was an absolute just roller coaster of a game. I still remember watching it. The Cubs and the and the Indians kept trading runs. It was. 5-3 Cubs going into the bottom of the eighth. And Aroldis Chapman was out there pitching. He was the Cubs closer back then. And Rajay Davis, of all people, hit a three-run home run to tie the game. 6-3, uh, not 5-3, excuse me. 6-3. And Rajay Davis, who was no more for his base running and defense and really not a power hitter at all, just takes a Chapman pitch and barely hits it over the left field wall, ties it at six. Game goes into extras. The Cubs rally for um, Cubs rally for two runs in the top of the tenth, and then the uh, um, and then the Cubs are able to hang on. 
Uh, Carl Edwards Jr. and Mike Montgomery closed it down, even though they made things interesting. Uh, ben Zobris got the uh, the game win, eventual game winning hit, and yeah, great, um, great dramatic way to end that uh, end that title drought. I have this series in here, but not the um, not like the uh, Red Sox or the White Sox ending their droughts because those World Series were very the Red Sox swept and the White Sox won five, so they just really weren't competitive. Um, this series, the Cubs really had to fight and come back and make it happen. They came really close to missing it. And looking at what's happened to them since 2016, that was really their only shot. So thankfully they were able to take advantage of it. All right. And now on to the sixth best world series of all time, or sorry, the fifth best, um, in 2001, the Arizona Diamondbacks had just uh, entered the league four years ago, and they had a crazy wild ride into the playoffs and were playing the mighty New York Yankees. There was a narrative going around. This was the this this series happened right after 9-11, of course, so there was a big narrative going around that the Yankees, um, you know, this was like New York needed this win, and as much as I dislike the Yankees, I mean, that would have been cool, but we definitely got a lot of uh, excitement from this series. And the upstart Diamondbacks were able to take out the Yankees in Game Seven. The Diamondbacks won their first, the first two games behind an elite pitching from Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson. That duo, I'd be hard pressed to find a better one-two punch in a World Series than those two guys in 2001. Then the Yankees came back to win three straight one-run games, two of which went into extra innings. Uh, so yeah, the uh, Diamondbacks bullpen definitely kept imploding, and the Yankees kept clutching wins out. Then Game Six, the Diamondbacks took a one at 15 to two, really. Um, um, kind of distorts the run total. But besides that game, every other game was pretty close. And then in game seven, the uh, in front of a rowdy chase field crowd, the Yankees took a 2-1 lead in the top of the eighth, and it stayed that way until the bottom of the ninth. And it seemed like Mario Rivera, who's the greatest closer of all time and the most experienced World Series closer ever, so definitely cool under pressure. It seemed like he would nail it down. But the Diamondbacks played some small ball and were able to get some hits. Uh get some balls to fall in and suddenly things didn't seem so great. And, uh, Luis Castillo, a giant power hitter. Um, I believe he hit over almost 60 home runs. I think it was 57 home runs that year, but he gets it done with a little bloop single off of Mario Rivera. Dimebacks walk it off. Um, one of the greatest moments in world series history. And, um, yeah. And it's just amazing how just that little small ball rally, just that's what the name of the Dimebacks game was back then. Just, Bunting and getting balls to fall, um, hitting the hitting, uh, timely hitting speed. They got it all done, and they were able to knock off the mighty Yankees. Um, definitely a very dramatic World Series, and of course, the middle of it, just the drama of the Yankees being able to pull off those extra inning wins, is definitely something. Uh, for the number four World Series of all time, we go to the fam- famous or infamous nineteen eighty six World Series between the Mets and the Red Sox. The Red Sox were trying to end their um, curse of the Bambino, which they were not able to, of course, as you may know. And they they had it. They won the first two games on the road. So they're heading back to Boston with a 2-0 series lead. But then the Mets took the next two. But then Boston was able to clutch out a 4-2 win in game five. So they headed back to Queens. The Mets were on their last straw. And they were about to get it done. It was uh, in game six. It was the bottom of the 10th inning. The Red Sox had just jumped out to a 5-3 lead, and it seemed like that uh, 
It seemed like that things would be good to go. And the Mets were down to their last out. And um, this still remains the um, closest a team has ever come to defeat in the World Series, who then wound up to win it. The uh, Red Sox had a 99.2% chance of winning the World Series at this point. So it was pretty much for sure going to happen. But uh, Red Sox reliever uh, Calvin Schiraldi gave up a single to Gary Carter and then another one to Kevin Mitchell and then to Ray Knight to make it a 5-4 game. And then there was a wild pitch to tie it up. And um, Ray Knight stood at second and Mookie Wilson was at the plate. He hits a little dribbler up the first baseline and Bill Buckner botches it. He lets it go through his legs and the Mets walk off on that air. And then game seven, you could just tell the Red Sox were super demoralized and crushed. So um, they fell flat and New York wound up winning game seven, eight to five. And like I said, that was um, that extended the Red Sox curse. They would have to wait 18 more years to get their championship. They'd never been closer to ending it until the, up until that point. And yeah, the like I said, the Mets' chances of, were down to less than 1%, and they were able to come back and win the whole thing. So definitely talk about a comeback for the ages on uh, the New York side. That still remains to this day the last World Series title the Mets have ever won. Um, For number three, I'm going back to 1924 to World Series that I think is actually super underrated. It was between the Washington Senators and the New York Giants. Uh, Washington Senators, of course, became the Minnesota Twins later on. But uh, this was their first chance to um, really make some noise. They've been a pretty bad franchise up until this point, and after this little window closed, they were bad again. But for a little bit, they were good. Um, Giants won game one in 12 innings, 4-3. to three. Senators came back in one game two. And then the Giants won game three. Senators won game four. Giants won game five. Senators won game six. All very close games. None of them were... Game five was the most lopsided. It was six, two giants, but every other game was three runs or fewer couple or three run one run games in there. And then game seven happened, which was even more crazy. So you may or may not know about this guy named Walter Johnson, who's one of the best pitchers in, in baseball history. However, he spent his whole career with the Washington senators. So for the most part, he was kind of under the radar because the senators weren't very good, but he was really hoping to get a World Series title, but he had already pitched a bunch, so he wasn't available to start. But he could be an emergency reliever. And of course, back then, like I said, pitchers were used almost every day. Um, And Game 7 in front of the Washington crowd, the Sanders were able to tie it in the bottom of the eighth. They were down 3-1. It was looking like the Giants, who were, were the favorites, seemed like they uh, had kind of control of things here. Um and Washington looked like they were going to be sent home disappointed again. But then uh, just tons of back and forth happened. Um, Senators scored twice in the bottom of the eighth to tie it. Uh, the Giants got a one-out triple in the top of the ninth, but couldn't get the run home. Um, Senators got a runner at third as well with one out in the bottom of the ninth, but they couldn't score. Giants stranded one runner in the tenth and another and two more runners in the 11th, and the Sanders stranded two more runners in the bottom of the 11th. Meanwhile, Walter Johnson had come in. Once the game was announced that it would be going into extra innings, the uh, Sanders looked to their ace to close it out, and he pitched four very gutsy, solid innings of emergency relief again. Not really planning. This wasn't his day to pitch, but he had to come in and get it done. He pitched four innings, struck out five, no runs, three walks, three hits. Definitely was a little tired, not his usual dominant self, but he he 
was the definition of bend but don't break. And then finally, the Sanders scored after two errors in the bottom of the 12th. So a bunch of bad bounces for the Giants. The Sanders took advantage of it and took home their only World Series title and the only World Series title that a Washington team would win until 2019. Walter Johnson got his ring, um, cemented his legacy for that brief moment. He was on top. And again, I think this is a super underrated World Series. It did happen a long time ago, so it's kind of gone lost to the um, in the long stretch of time since then. It's been almost 100 years, but I think it definitely deserves to be remembered. A more recent World Series was the 2011 one. And this one, I mean, talk about being really down to down down on the ropes, like back against the wall, nowhere else to go. That was the Cardinals in game six. Uh, Texas was trying to get their um, first World Series title, and they had a three games to two series lead, kind of going back and forth. Most of the games were really close, except for a 16-7 Cardinals round game three, but everything else was within uh, four runs or less. And in game six, the Rangers seemed like they were going to do it. They were one strike away from winning the world series, the first ever in franchise history. And they were, excuse me, they were up seven to five and David freeze was at the plate. Um, Neftali Feliz is on the mound. David freeze lifts a hard fly ball left field. Now this is where defensive replacement should come in. You should have Nelson Cruz being your right fielder in this situation. Nelson Cruz misreads the ball. It goes over his glove just barely, like so, so close. Hits off the wall. Cardinals tie it. Dave Free slides into third with a triple. Bush Stadium erupts. And that right there, that was a 62%, you know, 54% uh, win probability shifted for that game. Um. Yeah, it absolutely just completely shifted the game. But then it happened again. Top of the 10th, Josh Hamilton, of course, hits a home run and makes it 9-7. to So now the Rangers have a lead again. Uh, Scott Feldman is on the mound. Um, well, first Aaron Oliver put some runners on base, and then Scott Feldman allowed an RBI grounder to make it 9-8. to Lance Berkman was up again. Two strikes, two outs. This is it. you got to... You have uh, runners at first and second, but as long as you uh, don't allow a hit, you're good. And he allows a single to Lance Berkman, ties the game again, and then the next inning, David Freeze hits a walk-off home run to um, give the Cardinals the win. And then, again, kind of like the 86 Red Sox, the Rangers were just super demoralized, and then in Game 7, they lost 6-2, to two, and the, uh, the Redbirds capped it off. All right, and then I'm not biased here, I swear. But in my opinion, the top World Series in MLB history is the 1991 Fall Classic in between my Minnesota Twins beating the Atlanta Braves in seven games. It had it all. Very close games for the most part. Lots of drama at the end. Uh, Yeah, just lots of amazing storylines and great baseball. Twins won the first two games at home. Both were close games. Atlanta won a 12-inning game three in Atlanta and then took the next two games in Atlanta as well, including a pretty demoralizing 14-5 route in game five. So the Twins were kind of uh, twins were kind of facing a... Facing, twins were in a tough spot here. But this is where... This is where the beauty of it all happens. Um, the Braves 
uh, had tied the game and it went into extra innings. So the Twins had jumped out to a 3-2 lead, but Braves tie in the seventh, so forcing extra innings. Uh, Kirby Puckett made an amazing catch off of the cent- left center field wall. Back then, the Metrodome had like these glass panels on top of the wall, so it's a little weird visual, but uh, yeah, huge catch because in that um, um, definitely saved the game right there, of course. And then in the bottom of the 11th, Curry Puckett, he's the first batter of the of the 11th inning, lines a home run to left center field. He, before the game, had said, put me on my back. I'm put, you guys get on my back. I'm carrying us to game seven. The iconic Jack Buck, we will see you tomorrow night, home run call. So it's game saving defensive play. And then of course the, um, uh, yeah, the, um, the walk-off home run, really iconic moments for Puckett. And then, so we had the, the dramatic offense and the clutch defense, but then we had the, Amazing pitching in Game 7. Jack Morris took the mound against a Braves pitcher, uh, John Smoltz, young John Smoltz, and a veteran Jack Morris, two of the greatest pitchers of their eras, respectively. And uh, Morris pitched a full 10 innings. Again, um, not would, that would not fly in today's game, but he and Smoltz just kept trading zeros, and then eventually Smoltz got pulled in the Braves bullpen, continued to lock it down. And Morris had to convince Tom Kelly to leave him in several times. They pitched all 10, all 10 innings. And then the bottom of the 10th, after uh, no runs scored the whole game, finally the Twins were able to put something together. And it was all capped off with a Gene Larkin fly ball, which would have probably been a, a, a fly out. But either way, it would have been um, either way it would have been a sack fly. Just the Braves had their infield or their outfield in to try to prevent a runner from scoring from, from third. But um, but Dan Glarn scored on this Gene Larkin walk-off single, and uh, the Twins won their second world title and their last one to date. I mean, just with this World Series, and again, you can say I'm biased, but I just think that with um, everything, just the all the amazing moments and the home field advantage that was in play for the Twins and for the Braves, and yeah, just um. It just was so much drama. It was truly the best of the best. So yeah, those are my top 10 World Series. And I hope you enjoyed this deep dive into baseball history. And uh, I will talk to you all again tomorrow night for a deep preview of the 2022 World Series. And we'll see what what's added to the history books this year. What amazing performances and amazing moments are we going to see? So definitely should be super exciting. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to that episode of Straight Out Left. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple, and many other podcasting platforms. Make sure you give it a five-star review or follow it or do whatever you got to do to make sure it shows up in your feed. Keep your ears peeled for tomorrow night's episode. I will talk to you all again soon.